Smith and Jones back again for another week. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. And I guess this is kind of like the pre-pregame show as we get set for the tip later on tonight between Golden State and Dallas. But lots to discuss in the NBA postseason as we look back to some of the action we've seen in the Western and Eastern Conference Finals. And then, of course, looking ahead to the NBA Finals itself as we've got one team knocking on the door and one team that could potentially punch their ticket as well. So, Jonesy, lots to dive into over the course of this show, but we also want to talk about Canada basketball and an announcement that came earlier this week in regards to a commitment from 14 players for the next three summers uh, with action beginning this summer and uh, a game against Dominican Republic on July 1st. You and I will have the call on Sportsnet on July 1st. Uh, so lots to get into tonight and not the least of which as well from a non-postseason side of things, but a NBA story and a Raptors story as earlier this week the ticket was officially punched for Pascal Siakam all NBA third team a deserved honor and how strange it is to see a guy that didn't make the all-star team make it to the all NBA team and it's just a testament to not just the talent across the league but the talent that Pascal Siakam specifically showed over the course of the entire season but especially after working out the kinks the first two, three weeks when he first came back from that shoulder injury and then in the shoulder surgery, I should say, uh, and then the season that he had and, um, you know, the year that he put together, including his games in the postseason. Well, Eric, look, we know that the all-star voting is kind of flawed. Uh, it, I, I'm glad that they've made it the combination of fans, media, and, and uh, it's not you know, all exclusively the fan vote, but we know it's, it's a popularity contest and look at the guys, some of the guys that got votes that didn't even play. Uh, and, and they had hundreds of thousands of votes. So it, it's great for Pascal to kind of prove it on the court and show what he could do. Uh, as you said, once he got past the, the shoulder surgery and, and the rehab from that and earn that all NBA honor, he was terrific. He was he was the reason the Raptors finished far above the expectations that people had set out for them and, and made it, you know, to the first round and, and not through the play-in. So uh, good for Pascal. Um, to, you know, to your other points, uh, really excited uh, to be calling the game with you on July 1st. Listen, the last big game that I remember on Canada Day was in 2012 when the women's team qualified for the London Olympics on Canada Day, um, and and it was it was uh, it was something to behold. And you know we're not exactly into Olympic qualifying, but it'll be great to sit beside you in a full arena, uh, hopefully a full arena. Get out there as I speak as a board member now, folks. Buy those tickets, and let's fill up the uh, fill up the arena in Hamilton. Uh, very rare do our boys get to play, or our women for that matter, get to play on home soil and. In the space of a month, we'll see our senior men's team playing. Uh, we'll see both under 23 men's and women's team playing on home soil. So get out there and support. Uh, it, is, it is going to be a, a, a great day. And, uh, you know, you can go to the Jays game and just come down the road to Hamilton once the Jays game's over and it tips off at 7 and we'll be good to go. And it'll be exciting to talk to Rowan about that. And, uh, and I, I got some questions for our guys, for Derek Harper and Alvin Williams, once we get into the NBA talk. 
Yeah, we will have, as Jonesy just mentioned, Derek Harper joining us on the show. His number 12 hangs in the rafters in Dallas. Uh, so we will talk to the uh, longtime NBA vet and Dallas Mavericks uh, analyst about the game tonight between the Mavs and the Golden State Warriors as Dallas staves off elimination, uh, trailing 3-none. They got the last game. Can they get another one tonight? We shall see uh, as the Golden State Warriors are hoping to get back to the NBA Finals. I mean, this is this is another chapter in the dynasty that was, what, kind of on hold, I suppose, or another chapter in the dynasty because they're doing it with a whole separate set of crew with uh, at least a few familiar faces and some key cogs clearly in Curry uh, and Thompson and, and Green, but Andrew Wiggins having a fabulous series and postseason. Uh, as is, uh, you know, Jordan Poole and others. So we will discuss the Mavs and the Warriors later in the show, as Jonesy mentioned, with Derek Harper and, of course, Alvin Williams. His regular visit on Smith & Jones, as we uh, joke about the fact that we're going to have to rename this thing Smith & Jones and Williams. But uh, Rowan Barrett, GM of Canada Basketball, will be joining us in a couple of minutes. Simon Jonesy, let me shill for just a second, too. You're on the board. I'm not. I'm just a guy. I'm just a fan. I'm not, that you're, not that you're not a fan of the game as well. You've been blazing this trail longer than me. But, folks, if you want tickets, nobody's paying me to do this. I'm doing this because I want to promote the game and I want to see that building full. The tickets go on sale officially tomorrow at 10 a.m. 10 a.m. tomorrow, tickets officially on sale. But, but, if you're a Canada basketball insider, and to my knowledge, all you got to do to be an insider is go to the website and sign up to be an insider. If I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't even think that there's any sort of membership fee. So just go and sign up for the alerts and the newsletters and the news because you're going to want news about these games and you're going to want news about the events coming up this summer that we've told you about on this show in the past couple of weeks. You're going to want to know stuff about the women's program as well. So sign up for the newsletter. That makes you an insider. And why am I telling you that? Because insiders have access to tickets right now. So if you don't want to wait until 10 a.m. tomorrow morning, you can get your tickets right now by becoming an insider. Just go to basketball.ca. And uh, you can find out where to sign up and then follow the links and everything else and get your tickets for July 1st. Canada Jonesy was supposed to have the last window back in, what was it? Was it late February or was it late March? I don't even remember now. All the games and dates are, are, are spilling together in my brain. But either way, because of COVID restrictions, uh, Canada wasn't able to host back in the last window. So we, we told you a couple of weeks ago there was speculation about this happening. And now we can officially confirm it, as it was mentioned earlier this week, that Canada will play. I was hoping for two games. I was hoping for both. But they're going to play on Canadian soil one time, July 1st, against Dominican Republic. And then they will play three days later down in U.S. Virgin Islands. And we're going to have the call on Sportsnet for both of those games. Uh, So I'm definitely looking forward to that. But before we get Rowan Barrett on the phone to talk more about Canada and this 14-man roster and everything else, Jonesy, I want to throw something at you. Because I think we'll probably get into the Celtics and Heat later on with Alvin. We can talk to Derek Harper about it as well. Uh, but I'm sure we're going to focus more on the Mavericks and the Warriors. But how about this series with the Heat and Celtics? With Boston oh, winning last night by 23. I saw this stat. Game one, Heat by 20. Game two, Celtics by 34. Game three, Heat by 26. Game four, Celtics by tw- uh, 32. Game five, Celtics by 23. Every game a 20 or more point blowout with two of the five being 30 or more. It's been a terrible series. There, there have been, and I, I have a theory on this and I'm going to ask Alvin and I'm going to ask Derek Harper about this. And, and the reason why golden state is about to punch their ticket before anybody else. Uh, But there have been more 20 point playoff game wins this season 
more than any other year, save one in the NBA. It's crazy. The, the, wow. the, the playoffs, have, I mean, they're always compelling, but, you know, you're watching that Celtics game last night and it's, you know, it's the middle of the third quarter. It's 49-47 and you're waiting for, you know, you're, you're waiting for, for, for Paul Pierce and Antoine Walker to be going up against you know, Alonzo Mourning and, and, you know, like banging away 49-47, middle of the third quarter. And all of a sudden, Miami stops scoring and it turns into a 20-point blowout. It's, like I said, the playoffs are always compelling, but there's something going on this year. And I have a theory and I'm going to run it by a couple guys that have been actually on the floor and run up and down and, and, and see what they say. But uh, yeah, so what do you think for tomorrow night, E? Uh, we'll have to figure that one out uh, a little yeah. bit later on. Yeah, we'll figure it out a little bit later on, I suppose, uh, I suppose, Jonesy. I don't know what to think anymore. I, it seems like the Heat are cooked, but uh, we'll talk about that one a little bit later on as well. A man that I'm sure has been watching all of the action in the midst of trying to keep his eye on this summer and building a team and making phone calls, and as we found out earlier this week, locking down commitment from 14 players on the senior men's team moving forward. Uh, as the Canadian men eyeball uh, a berth in the next Olympic Games in Paris and hopefully much more success even beyond that. We bring on to the line the general manager of uh, the Canadian men's national team, Rowan Barrett. Rowan, thanks for the time tonight. Uh, No problem, guys. Thanks for having me on. Hey, Rowan, what was the – go ahead, Jonesy. Go ahead. No, I was going to say and Hall of Fame nominee for Canada basketball too, Rowan Barrett. Oh, well, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Did no, I, no, did I no, miss no, this no, announcement I, or something, or are you unveiling like a no, breaking no, no. news or there's, something? There's, there's no announcement. I just wanted people to know that Rowan Barrett was on the ballot this year for potential induction into the Hall of Fame, and there will be a Hall of Fame announcement forthcoming. So, uh, Okay, anyway, well, hold just, on a second. Rowan, look, the man, Rowan I'll the say man it on your all The of, man has <laughs> – Go ahead, Jonesy. Go ahead. The man has bled for this country, so I just I just want to give him his well, due. Well, listen, the fact that you just said what I was pretty much going to say, I don't think I was going to say that he bled for this country, but he did. The man was in the <laughs> – the, the man has done everything at every level, so don't just tell me he's a nominee, Rowan. I'm not on the committee. Rowan Barrett will be a Hall of Famer. If, if Rowan Barrett's name is not announced as a Hall of Famer, Jonesy, I quit. I quit, and it's just going to be <laughs> the Jones show. It won't be Smith and Jones. It'll just be well, Jones. Don't quit yet. I mean, we still have to go through processes and, you know, like people, there's, there's a whole, uh, there's a whole uh, process to this, you know, when people go in and a chronology and the whole bit. So no announcements yet, but I do. Here's what I want to ask him. Rowan, you got a commitment from 14 people. How much did the Jerry Colangelo USA led model uh, influence you because they they have they're they were of the same kind of makeup where they had all these NBA guys and great players but it was about getting commitment so and you know this more than anybody else having played uh, it's it's about developing chemistry and the only way you can do that is have guys together yeah you know I would say that and as I speak to you right I got one eye on the, the great teams here at practice uh, you know I'm watching to see the young ones budding who might be coming next. Uh, so if you hear the noise, you hear the ball bouncing, you know what it is um, in the background. But I think the, the thing that probably most influenced us, right, is just, you know, is our performance, you know? Look, we've we got to get it done, you know? It's, it's simple. We've got to get it done. And we've done it different ways, 
um, those ways haven't worked, right? And so we've got to continue to retool. And I think that um, for us, it was clear last summer. You know, there's many reasons you can look at why did you lose. You know, there's many different things you can look at. But the bottom line, we had enough talent to win last year. We got to look at why did we not win. And when we looked at that other team and we saw that other team running their stuff, the left hand knew what the right hand was doing all the time, especially in difficult moments. Everybody was on the same page. That only comes from spending time together, right? It, it only comes from spending time together. And so it was abundantly clear, you know, to us. And, you know, that's kind of what we've, we, we've done moving forward. And I think, you know, also I think the other thing is I think the timing also is good for our players in terms of where they are, you know, with their contracts. These guys are further along in their careers now. You know, most of the ones that we've selected. And so for most of them, you know, their contract situations are tied up, you know, or will be tied up over this next few years that you believe we're not going to be losing this guy when it comes to the Olympic Games. We're not going to be losing this guy when it comes to the World Cup. And so we wanted to kind of get a group that we felt that we could do that with. As I said at the press conference, I think we still got a little bit of that this summer. There will be one or two guys, you know, where there's a contract thing here or there. There's going to be some injuries that we already know that are public, like against Dort and, and some of those guys. But, you know, we believe we can weather that here and just kind of build this group together and then, uh, in the, you know, move into the rest of the summer and then into the World Cup and then, you know, hopefully the Olympics in 2024. Speaking to Rowan Barrett, general manager of the Canadian men's national team. Rowan, um, you kind of just touched on a lot of this. I'm going to ask the question anyway. So it's the same question I asked you and Nick Nurse at the press conference right towards the very end the other night, and I was basically stealing the line that Jonesy has used many times. He's probably even asked you this either in person or on our show. The talent that this country has now, the infrastructure that this country has, the coaching that this country has, etc. We, I think, in Jonesy's estimate, and mine as well, and I would think yours, should be second to none perhaps, but second only to the United States. But as Nick Nurse said, and I think you echoed the, the sentiments as well when Nick answered my question, you got to do it, though. You got to go do it. And now you're at that go do it stage. This crew that you've built, that infrastructure I spoke with about, do you think that you guys have aligned yourself as an organization, as, as a as a as a franchise from top to bottom, from the juniors right through to the seniors to the trainers and everything else, have you set yourself up now to have at least the chance for the greatest amount of success that you've ever had? Because in the past, maybe there were other things getting in the way, but it seems like a lot of things are moving in the right direction and working in unison right now from a basketball perspective that I haven't seen in a long time, if ever, from this program. Absolutely. I think the leadership starts from the top, and I, and I think, you know, uh, you know, initially it was, you know, Glenn Grunwald coming in, helping to kind of start to lay a little bit of a foundation so that many of these things could start to happen. And then I think, you know, Bartlett's come and just grabbed the baton, you know, and he's sprinting down the track, you know, right now um, in terms of leading us to try to ensure that we have all the things that we need in order to perform uh, to the best of our ability here. Obviously, we are an NSO, um, you know, just trying to leverage all the relationships we have and, and continue to grow the program. I think especially as it pertains to COVID and the challenges within COVID, um, some of the things that you know, we've been able to do in order to make sure that when we get to these tournaments, you know, look, we've, we've, we've had over 100 days together of competition um, and training during you know, all of our teams, and we've largely been able to go through all of this time with almost no positive tests, you know? 
um, you know, from COVID, and, and, and I think, you know, maybe one. And I think one of the reasons for that is how we travel, right? The amount of space that we have, the amount of space that we're given, and, and that comes from the organization. That comes from the top, right? The budgets that they're allowing and those kinds of things I think are great. I think the marketing and the comms team, right, they're pushing stuff out there. You can see the enthusiasm kind of coming through the organization. So do I think that we're all kind of moving in one direction with the expectation um, of, of us trying to get to the podium? Yes, I do think that we're moving in that direction. I do think that there's alignment there. And, you know, I think even on the women's side, you know, I think that there's some things that we're doing together, you know, as we're trying to grow and learn each other's programs and that. And so absolutely, I would say at Canada Basketball, we're, we're definitely working our way uh, in that direction. And I think, you know, the bottom line now is we've got the coaching, you know, We've got the players, you know, we've got to get those players in the camp and get them on floor, you know, and, 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 and let's get to work, let's lay it down. Uh, but, you know, we have the things that we need to be successful, I believe. Um, you know, we always need more funding, you know, that, that's always a thing, and, and that can limit you. Um, but, you know, I think Michael and the team are doing a phenomenal job there. Uh, and, you know, I think there's still more growth that we're trying to drive in that area. And so as we're coming together, you know, that side's coming together too, and hopefully we're going to be able to get to to where we want to go here. Rowan, um, Eric and I were talking about this. We're we're thrilled to be on the call for the game July 1st, Canada Day, and and the Canadian team playing on Canadian soil and and how great that is. Um, What does it mean? I know you went through long stretches when you played on the national team of not playing at home, always having to do it in somebody else's building, on somebody else's soil. And, and you know, Eric and I were, were, were kind of trying to pump up the ticket sales here. What, what does it mean for the guys to actually get a game at home, a meaningful game in a qualifying window, not just a friendly? You know what? I mean, this is amazing. I mean, when you are, there's nothing like playing, feeling like you've got the wind at your back, you know? Uh, you know, when the other team, you know, I can remember uh, the, the Pan American game, right? And and for, for, for us on the men's side, that was our first ever medal at the Pan Am Games, right, in our history, you know? And, you know, I, I'm telling you, I, I remember playing the USA in the semifinal, you know? And as the game is coming down and we're getting closer to the end and the pressure's ratcheting up, the fans are going nuts in there, right? They're making it difficult for the other team. I mean, you could just see the confidence of our team growing and growing and growing with the people behind you pushing the Canadian flags, you know what I mean, in the, uh, in the crowd. It's an amazing feeling. I think, one, just the support in the arena, but I think also coming into those games, I'm going to tell you something, man. When you, when, you, when you stand in front of the anthem, right, you stand in front of the flag and the anthem is playing, yes. there, there are feelings yes. inside your body I cannot express in words, Okay. And when you know that your family and your community and everybody's behind watching that, oh, man, like, if you need motivation, like, you know, I got to check for a pulse. You know what I mean? <laughs> I got to check to see what's wrong. Yeah. Like, if you yeah. need motivation, you know, when that's happening. And so those kinds of experiences are great from the player side. But then I also think from the fan side, you know, and the young ones, the young kids out there that are dreaming, I think it's important for them to see that too. You know, it's important for them to see – People out here with character that love their country that are laying on the line. You know, I think it's great for communities, and I think it's great to inspire you know the, the next generation of, of players playing this game. 
Jonesy, were you going to jump in there? I, I heard you. I heard you want to say something there. Yeah. It, no, I just Ron. I had the experience in New Zealand. You know, playing with the maple leaf on my chest. And you're right. There's feelings that stir inside you when you are standing on the free throw line and you look to your left and look to your right and and you know the, the anthem means something. There's 12 of you there and a couple of people from the delegation and coaches. It. it you're right. It stirs feelings that that make, at least for me, you know, made me very sentimental and thinking of, you know, family and my neighborhood and and the guys at George Brown that I play with and 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 all of those things. And I I just think it's it's so meaningful. And you know, Rowan, we talked about wiring our kids to play for the country. Uh, mm-hmm. Is there a better experience than that? Being there, watching your guys play, hearing the anthem. Uh, being part of it. That's that's one of the ways that, isn't it one of the ways to inspire the youngsters in that regard? Absolutely. I mean, they're going to dream, right? Like, look, when you're young like that and, and, and you're sitting there watching the game, I mean, you know, you, you never know what they're looking at, right? They're young, right? They're like, oh, look at his sneakers. Oh, he's got the best sneakers. You know, look at his calves. Look at his legs. They're so big and strong that one day I'm going to be like that. Like, there's a million things they're looking at, you know? They could be looking at the color of the jersey, you know? They can be looking at how the, the shorts fall, you know, like, you know, but at some point they're also going to be looking at how you shot the ball, you know? They're going to be looking at the teamwork, you know? They're going to be looking at the response that they get. Like, I'll give you an example. Our U19 team won and won the World Cup in 2017, right? The first World Championship Canada basketball has ever had in a World Cup or an Olympics at any age level, you know, men or women. It was a powerful moment. And I can remember coming back home, and, you know, people meeting them in the airport. The cameras were there. The media was there. The camp that we had the following fall for the next U18 team after that had the most attendance we ever had in my 12 years doing it. You know? The, the amount of people in the gym wanting to play for Canada after watching, you know, these young kids go out there and do something historic was, was amazing, you know? And the stories and the tears of the people that missed it for whatever reason that weren't there, you know? You're talking about how that fundamentally changed them and how they're going to approach things in the future and all of that. I mean, it's powerful on many, many levels. It definitely does inspire people, for sure. Hey, Rowan, we appreciate the time tonight. Again, the uh, game goes on July 1st, Canada Day. Canada uh, playing host on Canadian soil, on home soil, against Dominican Republic in a FIBA World Cup qualifier. Rowan, we appreciate the time, and we'll talk again hey, real soon. Hey, can, can I jump one thing in there, guys? we got to get out to yes, the sir. Global Jam, though. we got to get out to the Global Jam. We've got yes. another group of young guys playing that eventually we think are going to be some of those guys on the 2028, you know, L.A. Olympic team. You know, you got to go to Global Jam, G-L-O-B-L-L. G-L-O-B-L-Jam.ca. Go there, get your tickets. They're going fast. And hopefully we can get the fans out there. All right. Thanks so much, Rowan. Okay. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. There is thanks, Rowan. Rowan Barrett, the general manager of the Canadian men's senior national team. And, yes, indeed, Global Jam, uh, a week-long or nearly week-long event coming right after the game for the senior men's on July 1st as well. So a ton of basketball in this area. If you're in southern Ontario, wherever you're listening right now, hey, if you're out east, if you're out west, if you're somewhere across the globe, plan a trip to the GTA between July 1st and July, I don't know, 10th, 11th, 12th. Spend a couple of weeks in town, Global Jam, Canada and Dominican. You can watch some Jays games, whatever it may be. Uh, Lots of basketball in this area. And uh, lots of basketball on the tube over the last couple of nights. Every night, every other night, we're watching the West, the East. And tonight, we try to watch the Dallas Mavericks. 
continue to stay alive, keep fighting in the Western Conference Final. And a guy who's uh, been there, done that, a uh, longtime NBA vet and current Mavericks analyst, Derek Harper, joining us. Derek, thanks for the time tonight. You are very welcome, Eric. I'm sure you have Paul with you. That's one of my favorite guys. So, <laughs> I do, uh, of course. D-Harp. Let's get it done. Let's talk. D Hart, man, good, good to talk to you. I know that the, I, I know that these guys are keeping you from getting out in the golf course and working on that handicap. I mean, the Raptors oh, let me Paul, get out there a couple I, weeks ago. <laughs> I, uh, I have good news and bad news as far as that goes. Uh, the good news is I shot an 84 today at a very uh, prestigious nice. course here in Dallas. The bad nice. news is that it was luck. Paul, that's the bad. <laughs> no, you can no. No, no. Hey, I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna tell me that you shot an eighty-four in the front nine. That was the bad news. <laughs> no, no. I had a good day today. I made putts. You know how that goes. Uh, D Harp, that's a shooter's touch, man. Sometimes it, because you have the right touch, it goes your way. That's how you got to look that's at right. it. Right, absolutely. That's how you got to look it's, at it's it. It's amazing the kind of deodorant that shooting has, making shots, I should say. Well, hey, and, Derek, and to, go ahead. Go ahead, Jonesy. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was Derek, I was going to ask you, like, we're going to get into the, with due respect, I don't mean this to sound disparaging to the man I'm about to mention. We're going to get into some of the more key players that have made such a difference in this series, especially in the last game and staying alive. But we were just chatting with the general manager of the Canadian men's national team, and okay. uh, that's Rowan Barrett. And one of the guys, of course, Dwight Powell. How has yeah. his role changed during this postseason and in this series specifically where, Derek, he's still starting games, but he's only playing like 10, 12 minutes, and then we don't see a whole lot of him. And is that just purely matchup driven? And what then does he maybe need to do to stay on the floor and maybe make a little bit more of an impact? Man, that's an excellent question. Dwight is one of my favorite guys. You know, you, you're talking about a guy that's worked himself into being a solid, NBA player, it's Dwight Powell. I think it's matchup. A lot of it has to do with matchup. And if you look throughout the league, every team that's in the playoffs over the last couple of weeks, they kind of shorten their rotation, right? And where Dwight does get an opportunity to start games, I think a lot of it depends on how well he's playing. But um, he just had not played well, too. That's the other thing. You know, Dwight has, uh, has not been the Dwight Powell that I think people have grown to uh, to love as a player, and it happens sometimes. I mean, it's just the way it is. I think a lot of times, come playoff time, you press a little bit, and the matchups surely has a lot to do with it. But I, I just don't think Dwight is playing the kind of ball he's capable of playing right now. Derek, let me. I'm going to throw a theory at you. And Eric and I, I was batting this, kind of teasing this earlier and batting it around. Golden State was the only team two seasons ago that was not invited to the bubble that is still alive. Right. And when I think of the the contracted season, how quickly how quick the turnover was to start the season after the bubble, and even that season went a little longer. And and we finally got back on track this year especially a guy like Luca, who was playing in the Olympics, there's a yeah. lot of basketball compressed into that time period. And I think of guys like Jason Tatum, and I, I, and I think of Miami going to the finals in the bubble. And Golden State seems to be the freshest of the four teams left yeah, without true. having been yeah. in the bubble. Is that, 
is am I am I looking for something that's not there, or is that, or did they save some mileage on the tires? I think they saved mileage. There's no question about it. In my opinion, Paul, that the Warriors, you know, Steph has missed the. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Clay has missed the last two seasons, right? Unfortunately, due to injuries. Uh, Steph, same thing. And um, you know, Draymond, if you think about throughout the season, missed a lot of time. So no question about it. I think this time of the year, everybody is tired. Everybody is banged up to a certain extent as players and as a team. But when you speak specifically as far as the Warriors are concerned, they look fresh. Don't you think with the exception of the Mavericks making shots in the last game, they look like a fresh team on both sides of the ball. Because I think when you talk the Warriors in general, they're a very underrated defensive team. And that has that that is definitely an energy thing, which you're talking about, Paul. And you know, that time off certainly helps you based on what the NBA as a whole has gone through as far as uh the uh the uniqueness of the pandemic and all of the different things that have taken place. Speaking with NBA veteran and Mavericks analyst Derek Harper. Derek the three ball has been a major weapon the last couple of games. Uh, even even in the loss a couple of games ago, the, the three ball was yeah. still pretty damn good for, for, for Dallas. Game two, no question. Yeah, absolutely. Is that something that they can rely on tonight, or is there going to be or going to have to be something else that ultimately brings them to victory, not just relying on, hey, if we shoot the lights out, if we hit the three, we'll be all right. But otherwise, what's that next mm-hmm. X factor? Oh, it's defending. There's no question about it. You're playing one of the greatest offensive teams ever assembled as far as efficiency is concerned in the Warriors. So I, I don't think you can just make threes because the Warriors can match you making three-point baskets, if you would. And I think we have to defend. We were one of the top defensive teams throughout this last season in the NBA as far as, far as points allowed, things of that nature. So we have to get back to that. And whether the shots are going or not going, you, if you don't bring a defensive me- uh, mentality against the Warriors, you're not going to beat them because they, they have so many different guys that can score the basketball. And, um, you know, I, I think Jason will, will, will echo that tonight before the game, that we have to defend. you got to be in it. Easier said than done. I'm glad I'm talking to you guys on radio instead of <laughs> being out on the floor, being, being asked to stop a guy like Steph Curry and Poole and Clay Thompson. Now you think about it. You have Splash Brothers and you have a pool. So that that's that's hard to overcome when you start talking about defending. Those guys are sensational as far as uh, scoring the basketball. Hey, Derek, uh, speaking of the game, I know you're probably on the air in less than an hour, so we appreciate you carving out some time for us. We'll let you go and uh, get at it, and we'll keep our fingers crossed for the Mavericks tonight. I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Eric, and you, Paul, of course. Thanks, Harp. Thanks very much, Derek. There is Derek Harper, NBA veteran, longtime NBA vet, and uh, current analyst with the Dallas Mavericks, and as I said earlier in the show and on Twitter, that number 12, Derek Harper, hanging in the rafters down in Dallas. Um, Jonesy, I just talked to, to Harp about it, but the three ball, major, major weapon uh, for the Mavericks yeah. in their victory a couple of nights ago uh, and in game two and in this series overall. But I don't know if they're going to be able to hoist up 20 of 43 and shoot damn near 50% 
from the perimeter against the Warriors again tonight. I don't know because I tell you, I, I I look at their team and I and I I like it, but I I keep looking and go, all right, Brunson's had a hell of a season. He's going to be a rich man later on this summer. Bullock's been consistently knocking down the three. Finney Smith can be a problem, you know. But eh, Kleba off the bench, okay. Dinwiddie's had some nice spurts, and I still like that trade they made. But I just look at the talent on the other side beyond just the three regulars that we know of, but with Wiggins and Poole and even Kaminga providing some good minutes and Looney the way he's played. Uh, I can't see them winning four in a row and beating the Warriors. If it's not done tonight, it's done at some point soon. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And, and look, Luca, there's an argument out there. Luca could be the best series, and normally that overrides everything. But Golden State has guys that are really close. Like, they've got really good players with Steph and Draymond Green and, and Clay Thompson and Jordan Poole and the way Kevon Looney has been in his role. They, and, and as a team with championship experience, knowing what to do at this point of the year against a team that's never been this far. Uh, well, I shouldn't say a team that's never been this far, a group that's never been this far. Dallas has won a championship, but this group, it's really their deepest foray into the playoffs. I just think Golden State's going to overcome that. And, and, and uh, you know, with no disrespect, hey, Luka could be the Western Conference Finals, you know, playoff in the West MVP, but I, I just don't see them overcoming Golden State. And as I said to Tim Roy last week, I know that he didn't want to come off the bench, but with Jordan Poole playing the way he's playing, this is what Golden State could have looked like if they had a Monte Ellis, uh, you know, adapt that role. They, they, are, they are lethal right now. And I, I just think, you know, a guy like Wiggins has been terrific. A guy like Kevon Looney has been awesome in his role and the pieces really fit together right now and hey regardless of who comes out of the east right now i'm not sure they can beat golden state yeah yeah i mean i don't see it i don't see it maybe maybe boston maybe boston but i don't see dallas knocking them off i think we're destined for a celtics warriors final um, unless Miami can get things together. And that's part of the conversation we will have next when Alvin Williams joins us. And we will dive into the East a little bit more as Boston could close it out tomorrow night. And we will chat about Pascal Siakam, All-NBA, plus a whole lot more. Hey, Jay Cole is on the floor tonight in Guelph in the season debut for the Scarborough Shooting Stars uh, facing off in Guelph in CEBL action. So lots happening in the world of basketball, folks. Again, with Smith & Jones, make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones Wherever you get your podcast, please download, rate, and review. Share it as well, whether it's Google, Apple, Spotify, or otherwise. Make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones. If you're not catching us live, you can always listen back later on on the podcast. Even if you miss a portion of the show, you can listen to the whole thing later on and uh, check us out anytime. We appreciate it when you download, subscribe, and share. Back with more Smith & Jones in a moment. Back on Smith and Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you, and it's time for that portion of the show where we change the name of the show to Smith and Jones and Williams as we bring into the conversation Raptors analyst and former Toronto Raptor, longtime Raptor NBA vet Alvin Williams. Alvin, good to chat with you as always, man. What's going on, guys? How are you? Doing good, Al. All Doing good, good, Al. Hey, Al, let, let, let me jump in with the Raptors before we get to the Celtics and the Heat and anything else. Pascal Siakam, All-NBA, third team, uh, a deserved honor. 
can we just put a bow on the season that he had, the run that he was on, and the comeback that he showed us after the ups and downs both personally and professionally and mentally and health-wise and everything else if we look back to last year? Oh, no doubt. You know, he had to overcome a lot. You know, mostly the injury. You know, a lot of the things that, you know, the naysayers and the critics and stuff, you know, a lot of times that'll fuel a player. Sometimes it's ignored by the player. But the thing you can't ignore is the injury. The injury of being able to bounce back, not having a a full summer to really train and get your body right for a season. And you have to do that later you know, later than expected, missing training camp. So when you when you go out and you start off trying to get into rhythm, trying to help the team, and, you know, you're trying to prove things as well, and then you turn it around like he did, you know, I think it's just a testament to the person that he is, his character. But once again, he's a great basketball player. So, you know, that part was going to come. So you definitely, as you say, you put a bow on it. You know, a third team, I'm sure he would love to still be playing right now. But um, individually and collectively, I think I think it was it was a, it was a, success, a successful season for all involved. What does that do motivationally, Al, for next year for a guy like Pascal for his team? Uh, you know, he, I'm sure, like you said, he'd love to be playing. But um, you know, whenever you lose in the playoffs, it always I'm sure it always drives you a little bit harder when you work out in the summer. Oh, no, you're thinking about it. You're watching the games, you know. Right now, you may just be taking a – you know, some players, you know, while the postseason is going on, they might be watching the game and relaxing, healing up. And some players, I just saw a video of my buddy Katino Mobley playing against DeMar DeRozan. So, you know, it, different people do different things to get their body ready but and get their minds ready and prepare. But it definitely motivates you. And you know Pascal's going to be motivated. You know, he's, he's shown that already throughout his career. He feels like in a lot of Raptors, you know, they still have a lot to prove. And we always talk about, you know, free agency and we talk about the drafts. But a lot of times what gets underrated and overlooked are the players that's on your current roster and how they improve. And you see it with Fred. You've seen it with Gary Trent Jr. You see it with Pascal. You see it over time. And, and it's going to be really interesting to see the rest of the guys, Scotty Barnes and OG, and he's improved as well, and Precious Achua. So it's really going to be important for everyone to, to, to continue to get better, and they definitely should be motivated. Speaking with Alvin Williams, Al, let, let, me, let me use the Raptors as kind of a jumping-off point to, to get into another discussion here. One of the things Toronto has going for it, generally speaking, is they're a fairly young team as well. Even their vets are young vets. Um, I ask this question with the utmost respect. The guy is still the greatest Raptor of all time. That number seven is going to hang in the Raptors. Right now, what we're seeing from Kyle Lowry is not what we're used to seeing, even a, even a fraction of what we're used to seeing. How much of this is health? How much of this is something else? Like, Is, is he just not 100% and he's trying to slug it through? For the Heat, or what, what's going on right now, by, by your estimation? Well, you got somebody, you know, that's going through his health issues, for sure. You got somebody, more importantly, going through life issues, you know, and a lot of things aren't talked about. But Kyle has a lot of personal things going on that can definitely impact his performance, his mind space, and things like that. So this is not the Kyle Lowry that we're used to seeing, especially at this time. And, you know, you're playing against a very good Boston Celtics team. So if you look throughout this season, Kyle has been very up and down because of 
a lot of things going on. So once again, it's not, it's nothing more than you have, you put health into it and you take some of the personal things because you got to look at the human aspect of it. And then you look at a Boston Celtics team who's a great defensive team. They've showed it time and time again. And it's no coincidence that a lot of the guys for the, for the Miami Heat are struggling. Jimmy Butler had two big games, but he's struggling, right? Bam Adebayo is struggling. You know, Max Struess is struggling. A lot of people are struggling. But um, I know Kyle personally, he is, 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 is not just, you know, him playing bad. It's, it's, it's some other things involved. Al, I ran this by Derek Harper. Uh, right now, Golden State looks like the best team. And they were the team that two seasons ago, they were, remember, they were not invited to the bubble. They, they, <laughs> they had that time off. So the season stopped for them in March. And there was no ramp up to play in the bubble and in the playoffs in the bubble. And then that se- season ended later. And the next season didn't start on time. And it ended later. It wasn't until this year we finally got back on track. And they, I'm just wondering... With the injuries to Clay and Steph and Draymond, it seems like they saved some miles on the tires. Like their gas tank might be a little bit more uh, towards the top than the other teams. And I, your theory on that is that I mean it 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 accumulates over time, but it sure looks like they look fresher than the others because they may have had some extended time off. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that that could be it. But you know, with that, it comes rust. And it comes a lot of things not because this is a whole nother season. So you you got to prepare. You talk about a Clay Thompson who's missed I don't know how many days he missed, you know, before he you know start playing basketball again. Draymond Green as well. But you know, I believe when when you, when you sign somebody like D'Angelo Russell, right, and then you trade him for a week, and you bring some youth, you bring athleticism, you bring defense now because I never saw Andrew Wiggins as being a defensive guy. But once again, you, you tie in that champion, championship pedigree. You tie in a, a Steph Curry that has, 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 his, has his running mates back and he's still playing at a high level. And then you see the style of play. Like if you just look at the Boston Celtics compared to any other team and their style of play, moving without the basketball, you know, never get down. You see, you see these guys make some of the worst turnovers at the worst time and they never get down on themselves. They never disrupt their rhythm. They never, and that's that's a team that has the understanding of maturity and leadership. Like this is what's needed to be done to win basketball games. So I think, you know, a part of you could say they had rest, but I just think the makeup, the team makeup, their approach, and who they have on their team, and it doesn't help. Once again, you got that number thirty on your team that can that can win a game by himself. So this this team's makeup, although I didn't think they were going to be as good as they are this year. It's, it's, it's a special – they're back to being special again. And once again, I think it's, the, it's their style of play and it's their approach and the character, again, of their, of their team. Hey, Al, I'm going to ask you a potentially stupid question here. I'm going give to even give you a couple of qualifiers. You just said it in one point. I know talent, having talent and having, like, all-star, superstar talent clearly helps. And I know that it's harder over the grind of 82 games versus when it really matters in the postseason. But with those qualifiers out of the way, is it not or should it not be easy for a player or a team or a coaching staff, an organization to sit back and go, what is the best way to win? It's playing on both ends of the floor. 
It's playing strong defensively and offensively. It's playing unselfishly. It's moving the basketball. It, like everything that you just talked about, it sounds like it should be easy or easier for some teams to do, but a whole hell of a lot of teams don't play that way. Yeah, do, do you have time? Do you have time for this yeah. answer? Because it's, <laughs> it's a lot, man. When, when you try, and you guys know, like when you're putting a group together, when you're putting a group together, the biggest thing is trying to get everyone on the same page. That's the first and foremost thing, getting everyone on the same page, checking the Eagles at the door, and getting everybody, because everyone says they want to win. But more people want to win their way, and they think they have the answers to winning. So once you get that out of the way, now you go in with a style of play. You go in with really the details, the execution. And now today's basketball game is ran by analytics and is ran by so many different elements from the style of play that it's not just about, you know, like you mentioned, the best players. So sometimes your approach as a coach and a coaching staff, sometimes it's ran by numbers, it's ran by percentages, it's ran by trends, it's ran by plus or minus, it's ran by a lot of different situations other than just giving a ball to your best player and let's play or let's stick to this style and we're going to win or lose. We're going to win or lose with this style. A lot of coaches that I've seen, they don't like to truly adjust their philosophies or their approach. They may have a plan A or a plan B, but it's very hard for coaches to really go with something different that they're not comfortable with or they feel like is not going to help them win. So it's, it's a lot of different things. So when you have a, you look at the Dallas Mavericks and, you know, one of the leading three-point team, taking teams in the NBA, they've been super successful playing that style. Now it's not working for them because they're playing a lot of one-on-one basketball. The Golden State Warriors are closing out. They're defending. They're, they're logging in. They're doing a lot of things to prevent those shots from going in. Now it looks bad. So what do you say? Stop shooting threes. He's shooting too many threes. But this is how they've been winning. So do you go away from that or do you have a, a counter? So it, it, is, it, is, it, it sounds easier than it truly is because there's so many elements to help to get a team to win and, more importantly, to be on the same page in order to win. Al, we appreciate the time, man, as always. We, we, we had lots of time for the answer, so I'm glad you got it in, uh, and we'll hook up again next week. Enjoy the games. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. All right, Al. There is Alvin Williams, Raptors analyst and, of course, longtime NBA vet as well. Jonesy, uh, it's it, it, it's easier said than done, as, as Al said, but no, man, it it's it's like it's like you watch it and then you hear everybody in the playoffs like, oh, they play such beautiful and I'm not I'm not saying everybody just fan was. I'm talking about other players. Oh, they play such a beautiful game. Oh, they play the game the way it should be played. Oh, da, da, da. well, you know what? Go do it. Go do it. I know it's hard to do it in October he, and February, but you know what? Go do it. Here's the thing that you know Al said about the analytics. You know, the three ball, the, the, the proliferation of the three ball came about because there was a, you know, there was a dearth of big men. So people said, well, we'll start chucking from out here. And if we make two of these or three of these, you know, it, it, it's worth two of these is worth three dunks. So we don't have anybody to do that. So we'll start we'll start playing from out here. And in the playoffs, I mean, you look at Miami last night. You know, look at that, how Dallas blew Golden State out in the last game. Or you look at the way teams come back, Eric, and we've seen that. We've watched the Raptors do that. The three ball is a big part of that. But when you're not making it, 
it's almost like you're compelled that you have to keep shooting it because you keep falling further behind. And the only way to really catch up is to shoot, shoot the three because at some point your, your two-point game plan is abandoned because you're running out of time. So it, I, I think that's part of the reason why we're seeing these wild swings too, where teams start shooting threes and making threes and the other guy, the other team isn't, but they keep chucking them up in hopes that, you know, it, it's like it's like going to the blackjack table. Okay, one more hand, one more hand. Let me double down on this one. Or you know, the guy who's the guy who's trying to make the money back on an NFL game. Oh, it loses the one o'clock game. Oh, let's double the bet for the four o'clock game. And when it doesn't work, you just fall deeper into the hole. And I, I think the three point shooting has a lot to do with that. And then Golden State has three point shooters with Clay and Steph and Poole. These guys make threes. All right, Jonesy, this time next week when we hit the air again, the NBA Finals will be set. You got like 30 seconds. Who's playing? Boston and Golden State. Yep, I agree with you. I agree with you. I agree with you. But I will say, don't necessarily listen to me because at the very beginning I said Bucks and Suns. So clearly I was dead wrong. So I'm just cleaning up the scraps and changing my pick now based on who's left because I was dead wrong on both. On both. That makes two of us. That makes two yep. of us. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll wait, though, and ask you who you think is going to win until we officially see it because who knows, maybe stranger things, stranger things, perhaps the Mavs or the Heat make a comeback, but I think it's going to be Boston Gold State as well. Thanks to Rowan Barrett, general manager of Canada Basketball, the senior men's team, also Derek Harper and Alvin Williams. Thanks to you. Austin and Andrew as well. For Paul Jones, I'm Eric Smith. Make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcasts. Download, rate, and review. Back again in another week with more Smith & Jones. Have a good one.